Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and this is the Kobe Told Me Podcast. Yo, whenever I want to deep dive with the Mac himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure, and it's brought to you by the 4th District Podcast Network. Would you please consider giving your boy a follow? I'm on all the socials, at Kobe Told Me on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on Facebook at Kobe Mac. Welcome, welcome, welcome back! This is episode 30, episode 30, the Dr. Sleep Edition, and I'm back. I'm feeling good, y'all. I'm sorry for the shorter pie. You know what? No, I'm not sorry for the shorter pie because I really want to commit myself to trying to give you dope content in 30 minutes or less, and I hope you hold me to it. (laughs) But it's been a great week. The work-life balance job schedule is working itself out my birthday was this past week and that really worked itself out shout out to all of my amazing twitter followers the dope communities i'm a part of film twitter potter family the writing community everybody that took time to show your boy some love on his birthday you really did appreciate it i took a nap and it felt amazing chapter 33 is here it's my Jesus year. I'm going to have a ton of fun. Even though I'm 33, I don't look it. I feel 27. But taking a nap in the middle of the day was great. <laughs> Yo, my wife, uh, shout out to Mrs. Mac. Just She convinced me to uh, call off of work. And she took me just a bunch of places I never would have thought of. Um, like, I'm just the type of guy. Like, Yo, I want to get something to eat, go to the movies, spend time with y'all. Man, she took me like a bunch of places. We went axe throwing. We went day drinking. It was, it was a lot of fun. And... Um, yeah, uh, shout out to her. Um, she really took care of me and made me feel really, really good. It was a good uh, birthday weekend. And yeah, I still got a chance to go to the movies. I got a chance to see a bunch of stuff. Obviously, the 2019 Kobe Toby movie count currently stands at 122 movies at the theater as of today's date, November the 12th. And of course, as I always say, a bunch more to go. Man, I've seen a little bit of everything. I got that advanced Fandango screen of Dr. Sleep. I saw Midway, Happy Veterans Day or Happy Belated Veterans. Thank you for your service, yo. Uh, playing with Fire, uh, Last Christmas, um, I got my uh, little advanced screen of 4B Ferrari that's going to be coming down in a couple of days. I watched Let It Snow on Netflix, a bunch of stuff that I may have wished I didn't watch. And um, yo, I finally got a chance to do my rewatch in preparation uh, for a great series on stars. And if you're not watching, they say this is a get rich town, yeah. I just come from the forest, but they like they Yo, I watched Power. I watched the finale, which was supposed to be like the series finale, but they made it extended. They're gonna do some weird stuff, but yo, shout out to my homegirl Katie, my homeboy OT, dope power couple from down under we got a chance and we did oh power couple i didn't even catch that uh, we did an amazing super collab and talking all things power that is out right now so if you are not following kt and ot they're from four year reference an amazingly funny podcast that is 
for those who love mature content, <laughs> I'll say that you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at For Your Ref Pod and listen right now to our super episode. It was a lot of fun. It was my first time getting a chance. It's it's so amazing when you are a fan of a podcast and then you get invited on to be a guest and it was great. Uh, I love their energy. I love their vibe and I think we worked really, really well together and I think you guys, if you plug us in, you will most certainly enjoy. And yo, shout outs to all the dope individuals, the podcasters, the, the, the folks who expressed interest in the stream team. Another M Report pod that's on the way. This is going to be your one-stop shop for what to watch and what to not across all the streaming platforms. You may have heard me talk about it. You better had um, these past few months as I try to build a team of just dope individuals who are trying to navigate this crazy landscape of all of this amazing content that's out there. And I have no idea where to start. So I'm hoping that this podcast can be your source. Yo, think of this as a super pod, like the sports center for streaming. We want to give you the highlights, the breakdowns, the ins and outs of Hulu, Netflix, uh, Amazon Prime, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus, all the pluses we're trying to get you in. You can go ahead and follow the podcast right now at the Stream Team 6 on Twitter. Speaking of which, what we got to turn our attention to is the box office. Yo, the box office this week is unique. Um, in the top 10, we got a lot of shakeup. We got four new entries taking a spot in the tops. Of course, we got, because of this Veterans Day weekend, and I'm really happy to be able to see it, you know, you know uh, doing well. So that's really, really dope. Uh, shout out to Midway. I got a chance to catch that uh, last night, and it's good. It's not great, but it's definitely not bad. Um, but it's 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 it's, a, it's a, okay. It's a fine slash okay movie. Um, I think the film was yeah like it the the film the <laughs> I will I mean, you know what actually you know what I think I want to do I want to do a uh, a mini pod review on that film. I've yet to kind of really you know craft down my thoughts. I've listened to what a couple of people have said, but it's not bad. I mean yo the good thing is that this Lionsgate film it's it's. It's, it's distributed by Lionsgate, but it very much is a independent film, um, you know, by Roland Emmerich. It takes the number one spot, cracking the top 10 at $17.8 million. Um, Dr. Sleep makes an entry. That's that Shining sequel of Warner Brothers coming in at only $14 million. Not a really impressive opening. Playing with Fire, a kid's film with John Cena, opens up to $12.72 million. Last Christmas, directed by Paul Feig, written by Emma Thompson, starring Ed, oh man, you got Amelia Clark, you got uh, Henry Golding, Michelle Yeoh. It's a really fun movie that I absolutely adored. Um, it opens up in the fourth spot with 11.4 million. If you look at like that top four, everything is like really kind of spread out evenly. You see that there was a film that was a little bit for everyone. Um, so no like major blockbuster that tried to suck up like a vacuum a little bit of everything But I think a lot of folks had a chance to um, you know get to what they were looking for this past weekend Even with Terminator being at the number five spot took in about 10.8 million dollars It is not doing the numbers at all as what the studio would love to see with that property But um, there's a number of reasons I could point to that and if you want to look for my thoughts on there You can make sure to check your boy out um, on the socials uh, it's like where I kind of expanded on it a little bit more and I'll chop it up with my boy Raul a little bit later on the Minority Report podcast um, at the number six spot yo clap it up For Joker still making money yo Joker pulled in 9.2 million dollars like this film worldwide has made 986 million dollars and 
it's already broken a number of records. The biggest R-rated movie of all time. The biggest R-rated comic book movie of all time. It is now the most profitable comic book movie ever. In relative to its production budget of $55 million, making $986 million, it is a phenomenal figure. And it did all of this without having a Chinese release. Like, it is astounding. This film, this week, is, you know, slated to crack that $1 billion mark. And, yo, shout out to it. It is still my number two uh, favorite movie on the year. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty dope. Um, at the number seven spot, you got Maleficent still doing its thing with $8.4 million. Harriet in its uh, second weekend of release, bringing in $7.4 million. Zombieland Double Tap in its fourth weekend of release, bringing in $4.3 million. And the Addams Family movie is going to round out the top 10 at $4.1 million. Yo, look at that. Kids movies had two cracks in the top 10 with the Addams Family movie. And then, of course, with Playing With Fire. Do you want to see Playing With Fire? You probably don't. But you know what everybody wants to see? Disney Plus. Today is today, 11-12, Disney Plus went live and Twitter lost their mind. And for good reason, because <laughs> Disney Plus had a couple of, um, let's say, technical issues uh, when they were uh, coming out the gate. A lot of folks were having trouble, you know, figuring out where's the app at? You know, you have to get it through the email. I got my bundle. I wanted to make sure to have Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu all together. Um, it just, it just, you know, I, I need my live sports and there's a lot of content that I really do enjoy on Hulu. And then, yo, Disney Plus is, I mean, if you're my age, <laughs> uh, you've grown up with Disney, obviously, and Disney definitely dominates the box office year in and year out. And this is just another avenue for Disney to position themselves in a very favorable, you know, stature in the streaming wars. Um, the climate of TV and movies is changing and this is essential. And Kevin Feige says this is essential if you are an MCU fan, that Marvel fans will need to watch Disney Plus series to understand the future MCU movies. Is that a problem? I don't think so. I mean, if you are an MCU fan, you were going to watch this content anyway. If you're on the fence, then I don't think that this content's going to do anything to hinder your reception to the films at large. I mean, we've got 23 films in the MCU with the Infinity Saga. And for the person that has seen every movie or hasn't seen every movie, there's not things in there that's going to make you feel like that you have been underserved and appreciating the film that you were actually going to go see. Um, so while, yes, you may miss out on some of the Easter eggs and the connections that can fully illuminate the story to you, Disney is about its money. Um, and ultimately, they're not making money off of Disney Plus right now. They make money off of their global box office domination. They're not going to do anything to mess that up and say, oh, well, you need to watch this show. And, and people really were losing their mind on Twitter. You got to understand, the release schedule for a lot of these MCU shows that don't start till fall of next year is on a weekly basis. And they're going to be strategically placed to where folks have more than enough time to be able to watch those series or catch YouTube recaps in time for the films that they may or may not be correlated to. So chill out. Enjoy the bountiful library. Watch The Mandalorian. Watch Noel with Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader. I'm going to be doing that tonight. You can even watch that cute little uh, Lady in the Tramp movie. They have some, they have about like almost 10 original offerings up front on Disney+. Plus. I just really hope that Disney's going to be smart to keep up the quality of content. Um, if we could say anything in regards to the streaming wars, I think that the content is king. And while Disney has a lot in their catalog, I mean, you got Simpsons, you got the Disney live action original movies and stuff like that. 
it's also a balance of that new content that's going to keep viewers like, you know what, I'll just wait till I find what I'm looking for at a later date when there's enough thing because I think the holidays is really good to reflect on some of that nostalgia inside of the Disney vault. But when January, February comes around, that may run out. You know what should run out? This this stupid idea of... So there's this company, right, that is um, bringing back a CGI version of James Dean and has now um, decided that they're going to kind of launch into bigger endeavors to use the likenesses and images of um, celebrities and performers who have passed and whose likeness and image that is controlled by their estates could be purchased, you know, to be used for whatever reason. On its face, this doesn't sound like a bad thing. It sounds like a great way to be able to honest and, you know, to, excuse me, to honor or possibly even bring back some great characters that, you know, contemporary audiences have never been able to engage with. You know, um, I remember watching uh, Rebel Without a Clause, Rebel Without a Clause, Rebel Without a Clause when I was in high school and I could appreciate James Dean's performances. Um, I wonder what someone right now would do if they had that same opportunity. Um, but as a performer, I want my actions and my performances to be from my choices, not my estates. And I find this to be despicable. I think that this is a dangerous and a slippery slope for a lot of folks to do some really dastardly things for a profit and for a little bit of money. So I'm really hoping that this is something that it's like, why, why should like, what did Ian Malcolm say in Jurassic Park? You know, we had the prospect of, you know, can we, but we never thought like, why should we? We shouldn't do this and i hope you guys feel the exact same thing but you know what i think that we should be doing is getting to this review of dr sleep obviously it's the sequel that is to the shining i'm no book reader folks so i'm gonna do my best to kind of elaborate on my reception of this film getting a chance to be able to watch it early as well as watching the shining for the first time a little under a couple months ago really did something unique to my cinematic viewing experience that I love that I hope you guys will love as well and be ready for The Shining. I'll see you on the other side. Not The Shining. Be ready for Dr. Sleep. I'll now see you on the other side. Yo, The Shining is one of those films, like, growing up where, like, you're aware of it. Like, it's so much a part of pop culture, it's kind of hard to, even if you never watched the movie or read the book, you know the elements of The Shining. Like, I know that before I watched the movie ever, just a little under a couple months ago, I could pick out moments and scenes that have just been, I've been inundated throughout my lifetime, right? Like, I know that it involves Jack Nicholson and this descent into madness, you know? Um, so when I got a chance to watch The Shining on the big screen for the first time, which I'm, yo, it is so amazing the fact that the, my first time watch was on the big screen. What I loved about Stanley Kubrick, and I'm 
not familiar with a lot of I need to I need to do a better job at going back to a lot of films before 1985 to be honest with you and um seeing this film and knowing how how heralded it is how cherished it is by fans I mean you know my boy Ryan Terry shout out to hashtag professor horror he has this is one of his you know favorite films of all time and you know we've gotten into it and my thoughts on the shining are it is a completely atmospheric haunting ghost story about this family that goes to a place that has a horrible past and it just takes a man who is battling his own demons to be completely corrupted by an evil entity and it ends up spelling doom for his family and ultimately it's involving you know a mother and her child and you know, for the time that that film was produced, you know, in the late 70s and then coming out in the early 80s, um, I think as a society, it was easier for us to allow those elements to really, like, work over on us. It's hard to get a horror film right, but we were at a place, maybe an age of innocence cinematically, where it was easy to be scared by just visuals and what's... Stanley Kubrick does in that film is striking. And I could imagine that watching it when I was maybe a kid, it could hit me that much harder. So, you know, maybe I was cheated out a little bit on the full effect that that film could do to me, um, you know, horrorize because I watched it when I was 32 years old. And it still doesn't take away, like, I get the appreciation. And I, I see, I, I find The Shining to be a great film. Um, the style is different. The style of acting and the cinematography. Yo, I love the way that the camera moves around the Overlook Hotel. And the beautiful thing when it comes to Dr. Sleep is that Mike Flanagan, the director and writer of this film, really tries to blend his style and pays homage to the film without being hamstrung by it. Like essentially, The Shining is the ghost story and Dr. Sleep is the follow-up that's 35 years, you know, in the making to Danny Torrance, a young boy who was horrified by his father's mania at the Overlook Hotel, so much so it's completely destroyed him uh, mentally. You know, um, The Shining, without going into much spoilers, has a lot of evil entities and ghosts. And, you know, Danny Torrance finds out at a very early age that he can see and feel things differently than the rest of us. Um, he has... The shine, as they call it. Um, this, you know, ESP-like power, you know, to interpret things outside of our reality in a supernatural way, right? And Danny is really trying to, trying to deal with the trauma from his past. And without going into spoilers with Dr. Sleep, this film is the follow-up about him and how... He continually tries to close out the paranormal things out of his world, but they keep finding a way of creeping back in. So much so where a little girl that he comes into, well, not really personal contact with, but, you know, um, he feels propelled to leap into action to help protect her against a group of vicious, shining, sucking, kind of like vampire soul-eating you know, creatures that are after him. And, you know, what's unique, like, is that the film, like, I don't know nothing about the book, right? Like, but I love the world that Dr. Sleep creates and lets us know that there's so much more that happened outside The Shining. 
that it does intrigue me like, yo, maybe I do want to read the book, but I really don't. Um, but like, there's so much stuff that's going on that I really do want to understand like the true, the, like the true Nazis, something like that, right? Okay. I, I keep Stephen King at like a distance because I understand some of his sensitivities and really like what he thinks about of our world and so much of his work, I mean, just, you know, like I said, outside of pop culture, but like inside of cinema, you know, has been done over and over. And obviously it's striking to us because we connect to it on a lot of levels. And I think that the screenplay does a good job at balancing both a sequel to the film that Stephen King wasn't in love with, but also to the book sequel of Dr. Sleep. Um, the screenplay is also unique because it's a big, huge tonal shift in regards to The Shining. You know, where The Shining is a it's, a, it's a ghost story, and this does not feel like a ghost story at all. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just a different thing. And maybe because I saw these two so close together, I was I was shocked. I, I expected, obviously, a deviation with there being so much passage of time that came by, but it was, yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was unique. It's not, it doesn't make it lesser, it just makes it different and it was a surprising shift and you know even though the lore, the the world gets larger this film doesn't feel as scary now what's the idea of like you know horror and scare i think it's different for everybody um the age of innocence that we were in you know back in the late 70s and early 80s we allowed for a lot of those elements and the aesthetic of the shining to horrify and terrify audiences i don't think that we give that same license as an audience anymore to storytellers we're a lot more dependent on things that we can't see coming um and just like a striking visual is not gonna i mean it, it, it's just it's not gonna do the same thing as what it used to do before i mean very much the more that i think about it like the science fiction is the stephen king part that works in this movie and that was unique. The visuals is what a lot of Mike Flanagan is doing that's paying homage to Kubrick. I mean, there are shots in here that are ripped from the original, not to be cheap, but to pay homage to. And it's really cool when you get that. Obviously, the music that you heard coming into this review was a play on that boom, 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 boom. Like, and that was really good. And you see that sweeping camera movement over the mountains and through the water as you get up to the overlook. And like, I'm not going to lie, like it felt really good seeing that on the big screen. I just, there was things though, and I, I think a lot of it has to do in regards to the structure of this film that kind of hurt the overall effect of it. I mean, largely the first act of this film, we deal with Danny. The second act is mainly dealing with somebody completely different. I really I really don't want to get into spoilers. I, 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 it still is a recommendation for you to watch this movie. And then we get to this kind of climactic return to the Overlook, but it's in a very interesting way that I didn't see. Well, no, no. It's an interesting way because I did see it coming. There's not a lot of surprises to this film. What is a great surprise is Rebecca Ferguson in the role of Rose the Hat. She is phenomenal. She's like, yo, she's so good as a villain. You just want to continue to keep seeing her on screen. You can't take your eyes off of her when she is on screen. So she does an exceptional job. So like, you know, even though the plot didn't have any surprises, you know, I can't overlook how the two films connecting together, maybe not as great as I would like, they still do play on the nostalgia to help carry it to be a good sequel. Like, it's a good sequel. It's not, it's not great. 
you know, um, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tall order to try to be great, you know, going up against Stanley Krubik. And this is coming from a guy who, you know what I'm saying, was a little bit late to the party on that. So yeah, it's got good acting. It's got a good score, good scout, you know, sound design. And, you know, and that's why, yo, I comfortably rate Dr. Sleep a seven out of 10. Uh, it's written and directed by Mike Flanagan, and um, it's obviously based on the novel by Stephen King. Um, it's starring Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran, and Cliff Curtis. The runtime for Dr. Sleep is 152 minutes, and it's rated R. Well, another pod in the books. I hope y'all enjoyed my quick little review for Dr. Sleep. Definitely go out and check it out. If you are a fan of the film, I'm pretty sure you already did. Uh, but if you're on the fence, I'm sure that there's a lot that you could take away from this film. The performances from Ewan McGregor, the performances from Rebecca Ferguson, the nostalgia tie ins uh, to The Shining. And it's fun. Um, it didn't make a whole bunch of money. Uh, I'm hoping that maybe it doesn't taper off too, too much and that this film can stick around because it does some really cool things. Um, but this is also a time of year where there's a bunch of stuff coming out. Speaking of which, I got more bonus episodes coming out. There's a lot of reviews that I've been sitting on that I really need to be able to get out there for you guys. So expect a few more, hopefully this week, of a shorter podcast coming your way. Make sure to check out my guest spot on For Your Reference that I did with Power. I think you guys are going to really, really enjoy it. Obviously, make time to be able to watch out all these movies that are coming. Um, Ford v. Ferrari. I'll be drop, dropping a mini review on the socials tomorrow morning. Be on the lookout for it. You got Charlie's Angels opening up this week alongside Ford v. Ferrari. You got The Good Liar with Helen Mirren and Sir Ian, Helen Mirren and Sir Ian McKellen that's coming out this week. And Open Up Limited, which I really hope I can find. It's Waves with Sterling K. Brown and with uh, Kelvin Harrison Jr., which I'm, I'm super duper excited to be able to check it out. Yo, Kelvin Harrison Jr. is a bad man. If you have not seen Loose, check out Loose because it's absolutely phenomenal. I know you guys got a busy week. I know I do too, but I want to make sure to be able to do what I do for you because I love it. And make sure to check out my website for any and all of my written content at ColbyToldMe.com. <coughs> Ooh, I got something stuck in my throat. But yo, you can listen to me co-hosting with the crew at the Minority Sport Podcast. Make sure to check us out. Follow all our crazy movie commentary at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, when they ask you where you heard it from, tell them Kobe told me. Peace.